Hey guys, uh, this is Nick Sorantos, you know, host and editor-in-chief here on the Chicago Podcast Network. Uh, I wanted to do a little bit of an intro to the show you're about to hear. Now, when it starts, it'll be our normal beginning and the music and what we do, and I get into some nerd news and everything, but I wanted to put a disclaimer and kind of a, a warning just to let people know. Today's uh, show is talking about the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. My sister, who is a licensed clinical social worker, uh, is going to be on to discuss the show, her problems with it, and also what some people can do if they are struggling with depression and mental health. Uh, we don't get to say the line, the, the phone number until much later on in the show, so I want to get it out now. It's 1-800-273-8255. Uh, it's the suicide uh, prevention hotline. If you or anyone you know is struggling with depression and thoughts of suicide, please call this number, uh, and, and they will help you and never be afraid to ask for help. I want to thank my sister for coming on and dealing with a really serious issue. She is much smarter uh, and more accomplished than I will ever be. And uh, really, we hit on a lot of serious issues, so I wanted to give you guys the heads up. Now, uh, on with the show. This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Thank you for downloading this episode of, well, I guess this is Nick Checks In. Uh, AJ is out and about doing the good fight and doing all the stuff that he needs to go do. So I'm flying, well, not solo today. I'm joined by a special guest that we'll get to a little bit later. And I think you'll enjoy our conversation because there's one thing I know that she and I can do. It's talk to each other. So... Where have we been? What's been going on? If you've uh, stayed on our feed, you probably noticed that our last thing that popped up about a week and a half ago was the raw audio from an appearance that was done by Governor Bruce Rauner at a political event up in Palatine, Illinois. And I uh, snuck in and tried to do some, you know, undercover reporting, but really all that meant was is I, I walked into a dinner at a hotel, sat at a back table surrounded by a bunch of Republicans, and listened to them talk about their weird Republican ideas. And I'm not going to get into a lot of the stuff that they talked about. I'm simply going to say that the stuff we say here on this show, a lot of the problems that we have with Governor Rauner's policies definitely became an issue uh, or was the main issue in the in the event that they were having. It was very strange. Senator Ron Johnson, great name for an American uh, from the state of Wisconsin, came down and gave you know a similar speech, and it was all the same stuff. Privatize everything. Uh, you know, all of our social services are important, but can be run better by a private business. Um, and government should be run like a business, even though government is not a business. And you've heard me say all this stuff before, but that's why that last episode was there. It was also made available to anybody who wanted to use it for whatever reason. Uh, the audio wasn't great, but it it, it was just a necessary thing I felt I needed to go do. So we're going to put that in the bag. And this week, we're going to be talking kind of about politics, but it's not our typical deal where AJ and I sit here and come in and basically do the funeral for America that we've been doing for the last 18 months since Donald Trump became a thing. And uh, we're going to talk specifically about one thing that's going on in pop culture. But before we get to that, I just want to give you guys a quick update on where uh, some other stuff is going on. We've had... um, it's May, so this I'm recording this today on May 3rd. Tomorrow is May 4th. On May 4th, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is going to drop, and we're going to probably be doing a review show after the movie, me and a couple of my friends here in my place, and uh, just kind of talk about the movie. We'll probably release that on Saturday so that people don't accidentally get any spoilers on Friday, and I, I hope you guys look forward to that. Uh, otherwise, in nerd culture, just to let you guys know, because I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys in a while about the stuff that I love, uh, I had a big moment this morning. I woke up. 
And at 8.19 this morning after I got out of the shower, the trailer was released for Stephen King's The Dark Tower movie, starring Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. And I have been excited for movies in the past. I've counted down movies in my head. I've done what I call the formation countdown, where I send somebody a message going, you know, it's 13 days, 17-minute formation. A little play on the two-minute formation from football. And get really excited and fired up for movies. In fact, our guest today will probably be able to tell you how excited I get for movies. But this is different. I read my first Dark Tower book in the year 1990. I was probably too young to be reading that book. My mom gave it to me. It was called The Wastelands. Uh, She didn't know and I didn't know that it was part three, as Stephen King puts it, of a long tale based on the Robert Browning poem, Child Rolling to the Dark Tower Came. It's an insane epic that spans seven books. It took him 25 years to write it. Uh, When the last three books came out, I bought them the day that they came out. This is a movie that's been talked about about most of my life and I have never been more excited two of my favorite actors Idris Elba Matthew McConaughey playing the roles of the gunslinger and the man in black and while those words mean nothing to you now I promise you that by August 4th when that movie comes out those are two things you will name two things you will know and it just it blew me away that this movie is getting made so do yourself a favor check out the Dark Tower trailer it's unlike anything and if they do it right which I think they're going to it will blow you away with how cool it is the other thing that popped up today about five minutes after that while I was still getting dressed was the Defenders trailer the Marvel Netflix uh, Avengers thing where they combined Daredevil Jessica Jones the immortal Iron Fist and Luke Cage into one Avengers like Netflix series it's coming out in August as well. August is going to be busy for me. And these, it, it looks great. And they have a cool trailer that's uh, mixed in with Nirvana's Come As You Are. And it, it really will fire you up if you're a fan of these things to, to check it out. It made me just want to go out and, as they say in Braveheart, pick a fate. That's what's going on in nerd culture. We'll be back next week with AJ doing our regular show, complaining about stuff, and we'll get into the Trump of it all. There's a lot of stuff to catch up on, almost too much for us to really ever be able to fully you know, get there. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's next week. This week, I am joined by the most special of guests. Uh, I have to say, based on what happened the last time I introduced her that way on my old radio show, it is the second most important guest I could have. Because my mother's insane. So, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you a licensed clinical social worker who works within the court system of the state of Georgia. She used to do a similar job here in the state of Illinois. She is the best person I know, other than myself. And, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you my lovely sister, the wonderful, the only, Kristen Hernandez. Kristen, say hello to the wonderful people. Should I do like AJ and say hi, people? Son of a bitch. <laughs> she has a problem with when your sister actually listens to the, uh, to the podcast. By the way, could you do me a favor and say this is the Chicago Podcast Network? This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, that's who that voice is. If you listen to this show and you hear it every week, that, that's who that is right here. Which, for the record, when I was asked to say that, I was not told that that would be used as the intro for every episode. <laughs> Right, but I wanted it to be natural, and it sounds good. Mm. You sound like the computer from Star Trek. I Well, from you, I suppose that should be a compliment. I don't know how I personally take a from Star everyone, Trek reference. From everyone, that is a compliment. 
Uh, Kristen is here today, ladies and gentlemen, because she contacted me uh, and uh, contacted me. We were talking like <laughs> we normally talk. I, I don't know. This is, you know, it's the difference between the pro and the family here. Uh, Kristen and I were talking over the phone, and she brought up a TV show that a lot of you have probably heard about. It's getting a lot of controversy online. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are right down the middle. Uh, it is the, the Netflix series 13 Reason Why. It's executive produced by Selena Gomez, and it's based on a novel from a few years ago. And it, a lot of people are, are, are talking about this all over the web. And, I, and my sister really wanted to come on and share some opinions she had about it. Uh, I'm going to do a brief synopsis, Chris, and then we'll get yeah. into you know, the nitty-gritty of what you want to talk about. For those of you who are unaware or haven't seen it or are just wondering what's going on, 13 reasons why uh, – the 13 reasons the na- uh, in the show are the 13 reasons why the main character uh, commits suicide on the show. She releases a series uh, – she gives her friend, who uh, a guy who she basically friend-zoned, uh, a box of tapes and – in each tape, it's it's there's I think seven tapes with opposite sides uh, for each one for a different person for to be played to the people she holds responsible for leading her to the decision to kill herself, and it's interesting. There's some stuff in it that that you you kind of see, but realistically, folks, it's 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 exactly what it sounds like. It's very depressing. You know, I, I haven't watched the whole series. I kind of did like a speed watch of it the last couple of days just to be better informed on this. I'm sure my sister has better details on the characters and the storylines, but we're not here to talk about characters and storylines In execution. As far as a show, totally fine up there with Netflix's quality. I'd say, you know, it's, it's not house of cards, but you know, it's not Adam Sandler movies. So it's, it's, it's right there in the middle as far as like production value over the top. It's wonderful. Uh, it's shot beautifully. I'll give them that. Uh, it's, 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 it's a well-made television show, but the concern, and I share this concern after watching what I saw and about reading about this. And from what my sister the licensed clinical social worker has said it does make you feel that it is romanticizing suicide and giving kids the idea that suicide can be okay if you do it in this vein. And first and foremost, let us state here that we at the Chicago Podcast Network under no circumstances ever support suicide of any kind, uh, unless, of course, you're the president of the United States, in which case, please. Um, other than that, it's it's not it's not the most wonderful story, and it's not pleasant. And now, Kristen, I'd like you to start with your initial concerns about this show. Well, I have a lot of different concerns regarding the show. To be honest, um, one of the things that I really that really bothered me was there's. One of the last scenes before she actually completes suicide, she stands in the empty hallway of her high school and she says, some of you cared, none of you cared enough, which puts this blame of what happened all on other students and the people in her life. I, you know, I think that then you're you're also touching on people who have unfortunately known somebody who's completed suicide now might be carrying on some of that guilt that had that person left a tape would i be on a side of a tape that i did something wrong and didn't even realize it so it kind of perpetuates guilt to survivors of somebody who has completed suicide um the other thing is in the way that she does it it does 
you know, touch on some very important topics, like the fact that the, you know, the main character was sexually assaulted in the show, and they do, you know, it brings up that topic. It brings up the topic of teen depression and suicide. These are all very important things, but the way that she does these tapes, it kind of shows that, you know what, if you feel like your life isn't worth it anymore, then you can do some good. If you leave these tapes and you put highlights on these problems and these issues, then not only will everyone be happier that you're gone, but also now you've brought attention to all of these topics in the biggest way possible, and the world is literally going to be better now that you're gone. That message is being presented and becoming like this popular view and I have to say and I shared this with you when we talked on the phone but a lot of the reason I watched this is because a lot of what I do is working with teenagers I have to be very in the know about what they're doing in pop culture because it comes up in therapy sessions and actually this started because when I came home to Chicago at Easter our cousins were talking about it a lot. Most of our cousins happened to be teenagers. And then I started to hear about it from teenagers that we were working with back here in Georgia and watched it and just realized how much it's romanticizing this concept of you, you know, that she, like she says something, um, those of you who want to know what it looks like to want to end your life, it looks like nothing. Well, that show, that's saying like there's not warning signs that somebody is about to end their life or is really depressed. And there are a lot of warning signs that somebody you know might be in that case. And they don't highlight any of that. That just gets blanketed over. And instead, it just ends with, you know what? It's a better thing that she ended her life. And this is all the things that are going to come out. of now people are going to pay attention to the fact that there's bullying and there's sexual assault and there's all of these issues in the high school. Um, well, I feel that it's important that we hit on some of this stuff as it comes up. You said that there are warning signs. Do you, yes. do you want to point any of them out, things that regular people can look for and someone they may be concerned about? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> talking, I mean, in all honesty, there is the fact that if somebody is talking about death or killing themselves is a huge warning sign, and that does happen feeling like they're a burden to others. These are things that people might say, like they're feeling trapped, they have unbearable pain, they have no reason to live. Starting to hear those very like uh, terminable like comments that there's an end to it. Behavior is kind of like an increase of al- alcohol or drugs, looking for ways to kill themselves, like as parents, like making sure to keep an eye on internet use. Are they looking this stuff up? I hate to say this, but... I've looked up what a 13-year-old might look up, and there are literally YouTube videos on how to engage in self-harm and how to complete suicide, like where to cut, where to do this, which is, you know, heartbreaking itself, withdrawing from activities, isolating from friends and family, sleeping too much or too little, um, visiting, calling people, like if you start getting messages of kind of goodbye from people, giving away prized possessions, aggression, Obviously, somebody who might be expressing symptoms of depression, loss of interest, being irritable, um, having anxiety, like all of I mean, overall, the, the other thing is when somebody, a huge red flag that somebody might be about to actually engage in a suicide attempt is if you've seen these depressive symptoms, you've been concerned, and suddenly there's a big shift to them feeling a little happier 
sometimes that comes with somebody accepting that they are going to end their life and they have a comfort in that. So that can be a huge red flag that that's about to happen. It, like like that day kind of thing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the warning signs if somebody might be getting close to or experiencing suicidal ideation. Just for my own education, I noticed that when you were talking about it before, you referred to it as completing suicide, not committing suicide. Is there a reason for the changing language? Yeah. Um, so we'd like to try and take away the fact, like if you say um, somebody committed something usually that's in a negative form where that like committed a crime like you did something wrong this is instead it's somebody who was at such a horrific point in their life and they felt like there was no other place to go so they made an attempt to committing suicide to come and they actually completed it rather than an attempt at suicide so we try to take away the fact that this person didn't do something that's like a criminal act. They did something out of loss and out of, you know, pain. So we like to talk about it that way. All right. uh, Moving forward with the show, do you want to focus on each of the people that she blames or do you just kind of want to do it in a more general way? I think a more general way. I mean, I do want to, you know, I do want to pop up on the fact that there is a benefit to the show. The benefit, I will say, is... I might keep, I can edit it out. I just might keep going. I was going to stand up for a second. That's oh, all. sorry. Um, I think the benefit of the show is that, you know, these topics are being talked about. It's not necessarily in the way that I would hope and that the t- conversations are not going the way that I necessarily would want them to. But my hope is that if your children, if you hear about teenagers who are watching this, that parents choose to watch it and have a conversation, but that parents also take that at that moment to educate themselves and do further research so there is a positive thing you know I did talk to um to Emily my best friend and she's a new parent and she said that watching the show it did kind of make her realize how she needs to talk about mental health with her daughter growing up so that if her daughter should need therapy it's the same thing as oh my tooth hurts I'm going to go to the dentist I'm not feeling I'm feeling sad I can go to a therapist and it kind of takes away that stigma so I'm glad whether positive or negative things are coming or directly in the show, I'm glad people are talking about teen risk of suicide. But I think just talking about general what's going on would be more beneficial. Um, I, I want to get into the, a topic about this show a little bit later on involving free speech and stuff like that and where you come down on that. Um, but right now, the, the other thing I want to get into is the sexual assault, I believe there are two cases throughout the show that take place. One is to a girl that the main character knows, and then the other is done to her herself. Um, yeah. I believe that in both instances, the rape is not how we traditionally see rape on television, where yeah. it's Law and Order SVU, where somebody comes up out of the darkness and grabs a girl or a woman and rapes her violently. These are, for lack of a better term... I. I Guys my age call them frat boy rapes. They're, they're the ones where somebody says no, and the guy thinks that they're being playful and doesn't stop. And the, and the woman involved who is the victim feels like she can't stop what's happening. Am, am I saying that correctly, or, or is it 
I mean, I know. That- no, I, I agree with you. I mean, the other thing is the way it's portrayed, especially when it happens to the main character, because the friend is 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 passed out. So she had had too much to drink and did, you know, I, I don't remember if she used drugs as well, but she was passed out. The main character, when we witness her, it, you know, the the hard part about that is she is extremely depressed at that moment. And you see her kind of go into a numb feeling where she started saying no, but then she just gave up that fight. The thing is, the positive, I guess, of showing it, showing like an issue of rape in that way, is the majority of incidents of rape are from somebody that they know. It's not often that it's a stranger on a street and something very violent happens. More often than not, it is by somebody that they know in their regular life. The, the, the most fascinating part of the show to me, um, and I feel in many ways the most important, was the failing of the uh, school counselor. I actually don't remember. Was he a social worker? Was that technically his title? Or No, he's a counselor. Um, you can get your master's in either counseling or social work. Um, but yeah, he was, he was a counselor. That scene as a mental health provider uh, ate me alive, to be honest, because he didn't ask any questions that somebody in that position is trained to ask. When she says to him, you know, that Basically, she explains that she was sexually assaulted, and he says, unless you give me the name, there's nothing I can do. That I want everyone to understand that that is 100% inaccurate. Somebody would absolutely be able to report an incident and get you help if something happened to you. Um, my biggest issue with that is I do feel like this show really had a responsibility. Like, you want to... You want to put on such a popular um, format of Netflix that everybody watches. I think they predicted it was going to blow up like it did. There's a responsibility to talking about such a crucial topic. And to have a counselor who this girl said enough things, enough red flags to tell you that she's depressed. And he didn't even come close to assessing her risk of harm. It was, it's one, it's extremely unethical um he's obligated as a mandated reporter to ask those questions and report that she's um expressing suicidal remarks and concerns so that she got the help but my biggest issue with that was that it showed that that how that ended was like tape 12 she was like after doing that i felt like a little bit of relief i got all of this out it was kind of like these tapes were her coping skill to get through this depression she's like but i know i need help which was this great scene it was like wow okay so she is depressed but she's recognizing that she needs help but what this showed was like even if you're depressed even if you are responsible and get to a point where you go get help it doesn't do anything and you're going to end up wanting to kill yourself anyway so why would any teenager who's in that vulnerable state of mind after watching this think that going to somebody for help is going to do anything? Do you feel that the show, in, in its portrayal of this, of this counselor, aside from doing the, the message that, that, and that's the thing that I'm concerned with too, is that the message that it seems to send towards the end of the show 
early on in the show, you, you get the idea that, yes, I, you can see how she's depressed. I mean, clearly anyone who goes through what this girl goes through, you, you understand it completely. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern with, with the, the ending, with the last three episodes is it almost feels like they show you what, you're, what you should do if you're feeling like her. Right. Right. And then when she goes to finally do the thing that they basically, you know, in every after school special and every assembly they ever make you go to and every, you know, mental health thing you've ever learned up to that point in your life says, but it doesn't matter because in the end, the system doesn't give a shit about you. So you're going to, you know, it doesn't matter. And that I found very dangerous. To be honest with you, the show up until even that last, the second to last episode when she has the meeting with the counselor. I was I, I was not okay with it. I, I look cards on Front Street, folks. I fucking hated this show, but it's just be- <laughs> somehow I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> it deals with stuff that I, the emotionalist robot that I am, could not comprehend most of what was going on. However, in execution, it just felt it felt. Because here's my problem, Chris. Like, I understand what you're saying, and you're absolutely 100% correct. And and the, the responsibility of that episode rests solely on the writers of this show. And mm-hmm. it's not even... I'm not even going to say it comes from a lack of understanding of mental health or counseling or anything. It's just bad. It's just bad writing. Because they need her to kill herself for right. this show to work. Right? Yeah. And that... You know, they show him like he's distracted. His phone is ringing when she's in there. And... He keeps like hanging it up to try and make it stop. And he's like, no, I'm here. And then she even shows, you know, she leaves his office and she's like, I waited for him to chase after me. And he didn't. And I'm sitting there. I'm not going to lie. I watched this show and, you know, Mark, my husband, I, I don't think he's ever heard me swear at a TV so often. Like he didn't watch it with me, but I kept getting really upset. And what I kind of challenge people is those of those people out there who are saying, no, I think this is good because it gets people talking about it and it brings up this whole thing. Okay, that's that's all well and good if you're talking about somebody who's in a healthy mindset, but what about those vulnerable 13-year-old, 14-year-old kids out there who are already in this like very vulnerable state who are thinking about possibly wanting to engage in a suicide attempt watching this? That's who I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, they're seeing this, they're seeing this, they're seeing this. And my heart was breaking because I'm sitting there going, this is literally a public forum for somebody who's already in that mindset to say, just go through with it because nothing else is going to help you. I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but uh, a while back after the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, Stephen King, my as you know, Kristen, and is from the <laughs> Dark Tower thing earlier, uh, is my favorite author. Uh, and it, it, Kristen, my sister, can tell you that I've been reading Stephen King from long before I probably should have been reading Stephen King. My mom gave me Four Past Midnight when I was... How like eight or nine when she read the library policeman I to mean, us? Mom showed me Candyman when I was four, and that man had no candy. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Kristen thought it was about the song Candyman. Oh, the Candyman! Can. I mean, it's called Candyman, and she let me sit there the entire movie before I found out that that man had no candy and that nothing good was coming from him. That's not true. He had sweets for the sweet, Chris. <laughs> um, 
the reason I'm bringing up Stephen King, though, here is is when he wrote this essay, it was called Guns. It's available on Audible, folks. If you, I actually recommend that you go buy it. I'm not a person who advertises stuff normally, but it's uh, it's for charity. It's, it's it's an audio essay that's read by a narrator, and it's about gun control, his opinion on guns, whatever. But it starts off with this wonderful thing called The Shake. We've played it on the podcast before, uh, one of our previous episodes about gun control. But also in that essay, he mentions a novel he wrote, and it's called Rage, uh, which I read when I was 13, and got to tell you, kind of weird that that happened. Um, It's a story in a book called, it's a Richard Bachman book, which is Richard Bachman was Stephen King's pseudonym. And it's a story about a kid who takes a classroom hostage, he kills the teacher um, who was mean to him, and then holds the rest of the class hostage. And it's like a, a study in... Stockholm Syndrome, for lack of a better way of describing it. Now, it was written in 1979. There's a lot of stuff that he didn't, like, you can't blame somebody for what was known culturally when he wrote the story. But 20 years later, it's uh, Columbine happens. And uh, I won't say the guy's name, even though it will always be etched in my head, but we don't give those sons of bitches the credit that they they wanted. The two dudes who went into Columbine and shot up the school uh, when they investigated both of their houses, both kids had a copy of Rage, of the of the Bachman books with ha- that has Rage in it. It's a collection of four novellas on their desks. Uh, Stephen King didn't know about that at that point, but there was another shooting a year later and another shooting a year later, and all four of those kids had the book Rage, and it was brought to Stephen King's attention. So he went to, I believe at that point he was published by Penguin, and he went to Penguin Books and and asked them to pull the book from publication, which he said was one of the most difficult things they've ever had to do. But he know, he did not want to be responsible for allowing people an idea that it was okay for them to do this. So Stephen King goes out, you know, the crazy man that he is, and because his book, he felt his book may be leading to kids hurting people, decided to pull the book. Now, in his essay, what he says is people have said that he apologized for writing it, and he's very clear to say, I have never apologized for writing this book because... I believe that that book about how high school can drive you crazy is the truth, and anyone who apologizes for the truth is an asshole. That's what he says. But as a father and as a person who's a fundamentally decent person from Maine, he felt the book was pu- needed to be pulled. This is kind of the same scenario for me with 13 Reasons Why. I understand what they were trying to do. And as a, yeah. as a form of art, I would never ever tell someone what they can and cannot say or do or publish if you listen to this podcast if you've listened to my other radio shows hell if you know me in real life i can hate what you say you got a right to say it this is the united states of america but if you're a person who creates something like this and you i call it the one death theory If you're a writer of the show 13 Reasons Why and you find out a year from now that some kid watched your show, got to the end of it, went damn right, walked into a bathroom and killed themselves, how do you live with yourself? Yeah, and I I mean, I do think, is this show going to cause a child or a teen to go from fine to wanting to kill themselves? No, like it's it's not going to do that. But there are a lot of kids out there. I mean... Illinois, as in 2016, do you know Illinois had twice as many people die by suicide than homicide? And yet we talk about, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, as people know it, um, the other thing is, 
the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, they have this great, um, this great link on their website for people in media, recommendations um, regarding if you're going to do any media regarding suicide, these are recommendations on how to do it in a healthy way so that you're doing something that's good for people and you're not causing more harm. The number one thing they talk about do not show a graphic image of somebody completing suicide and do not show um, the manner in which they did it because it will increase the chance of somebody actually doing that themselves. It causes more harm. There's a lot of research on that. And to me, I mean, you go on that website, that's a national website. Anyone in this field knows that site. And if you're going to do a show like this and you talk, I watched, there's an episode afterwards where they talk to mental health professionals um, about the show. And I'm sitting there going, if you had even done five minutes of research, you would have seen this. What made them omit that? suggestion that so much research back it backs up because it gets more ratings and the other thing with i don't know if you watched the episode where she actually did i know i felt like that was the most important thing to watch so yeah and you know as somebody who has witnessed people attempting suicide i've witnessed after somebody's completed suicide and several other horrific things surrounding that topic there was something about, you know, seeing somebody in such a vulnerable loss of hope and being at that place. But you also witnessed she went from screaming as she literally slit her wrists. And then when she puts them in the tub, I don't know about you, but I witnessed her face get this like relief. Yeah. And then and then it was no, then it's, she's it's- gone. And that ate at me because I'm like, don't show kids that there's a relief at the end. The, the 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 thing with how they portray the actual act is when I was growing up, they always talked about uh, Emily Dickinson as the the poet who kills herself, who killed herself, mm-hmm. and there was always this weird romantic nature to it. And uh, one of my best friends, you know her very well. I don't want to say her name, but you know who I'm talking about. She's my best friend, and. She's talked to me about this before, that she got really into that stuff. She was getting bullied. She really got down to a point where she tried. Mm-hmm. And it. when she told me that, I, 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 she wasn't the first girl I knew. I always say girl, folks. I don't mean to be disrespectful. She was the first woman I knew when I was grown, second woman I knew who had tried to do that. The first was uh, a girl I went to high school with, and... The first time I found out about it, I reacted very badly um, and angrily at her for doing it. But, again, part of it was she romanticized the idea that it was going to make her... There's this thing that they say, it'll, it'll just make it all go away. And it's just like, yes, but it goes away. And they portray this one in particular, for lack of a better term, the Emily Dickinson way. Like, there's... Again, it's there's almost something romantic in the way that she's doing like it. Like she and left this art after, like she left yeah. this beautiful. Like it was basically the other thing is adding the nostalgic factor of it being cassette tapes only furthered that kind of romanticizing it. It was this like 
unique way of like journaling her last thoughts and what was going on and how in the end it brought all those people, you know, kind of together where now they have this deeper understanding. But it, it also ended with another kid attempting suicide and with a kid that you presume is going to engage in a school shooting. That's how the end of the series is. And yeah, it, it does kind of, you know, a lot of the teenagers that I have worked with who have expressed like suicidal ideation, it is that, you know, people, it'll, people will be better off without me. That's the most common thing. And when you talk to them and you really break it down, you know, there is hopefully a way that they're going to see that that's not the case and what can come of it. But this show really shows like, oh my gosh, the bullying is going to get better. This is going to get better. So many things are going to get better now that everyone gets this message across. And these parents can now raise money to try and further the protection of students. And it it does take away from that. Um, You know, I know I mean, you know this, and I think, you know, our parents and stuff, but I got to my own closest depression, like my deepest depression after being sick. And this is not something I usually share when I'm necessarily in session or anything, but knowing how deep and dark that place can get, I cannot imagine if I had also in turn been about 13 years old when we all know, you know, middle school is the worst. When I when I talk to a teenager who's in middle school and they're like, things are hard, I look at them straight forward. I'm like, no, middle school sucks. Like, I'm not going to try and make it sound better than it is. You just got to get through it. But if in my darkest moment there had also been a show that makes it seem like, man, I could leave this beautiful thing behind, then what was really going to stop you at that point? It only pushes you further in that direction, in my opinion. And and for those of you who, who who would listen to this and say, well, a show can't make you do something that you don't want to do, I, I do really feel it. And, and Kristen, you're getting this point across very well, but it's just I, I want to hammer this home. We're not talking about you. We're not. We're not talking about somebody who is, you can tell me the proper terminology, but for lack of a better way of saying it, well-adjusted, who's happy, who's... Not happy, but someone who's who's not clinically depressed, who's not getting ready or thinking about killing themselves, who's just stressed out, that we're not talking about you. We're talking about people who have a form of depression that you may in your life have gotten depressed for a couple days even. This is long term. They can't see a way out. And and it, I know I know somebody who's gone through actual stopping their life depression. Um, and it, it, watching her go through that, it it was the, it's, it was so weird because you could just, this is a person who I could usually make laugh in two seconds and it's just, I could never get her to come back. And finally she came out of it, but it was, man, that was, that was tough. And I could see that. And we were in our mid twenties when this happened. Like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be, like you said, to be in middle school, God damn it. Junior high. Which is insanely hard already. Like, and the thing is, you know, we also overuse terms like depressed. Right. You know, we say things like this is kind of the example when I'm talking to trying to do some what we call like psychoeducation to parents and stuff. You'll hear somebody at a vending machine be like, oh my God, I'm so depressed because they're out of Coke today or they're out of Sprite. I'm so depressed. And you're like, no, and stop making light of such a severe thing. You know, 
anxiety, depression, all of these things, you know, there's a reason that we have our book, um, you know, we call it kind of the Bible of mental health. The DSM is this gigantic book of mental health diagnosis. And, you know, these things, the symptoms of it can be so overwhelming. And if you are lucky enough to not be one in four people who have experienced um, a mental health issue, I mean, good for you. I'm so happy that you have healthy coping skills, but one in four people. And then when you get to the very severe depression, they're, these people like turning over, if they're laying in bed and the remote is on the other side of the bed, sometimes rolling over to get that remote is too exhausting. That's how deep in it they are. They might have people calling, but they're too exhausted to even, and I mean emotionally and mentally exhausted, to even tell them that they need help, to even reach out, not to mention they don't think anybody cares for the most part at that point or could possibly understand. And that's why, you know, they did portray this girl, you know, where she went from kind of being this bubbly teenager and you watched her go through this progression of depression. But they, the responsibility to me, and this kind of goes off what you were saying before, I don't think there's anything wrong with what they were trying to do. I, I really don't. I think that the fact that they wanted to bring up a topic, they wanted it to be relatable to teenagers. They wanted to highlight on some of the issues that get overlooked in high school, like teens and depression. It does get looked over, like what could a teenager possibly have to complain about? So, you know, and it does open up that topic. But there's an extra responsibility that you need to show what things could these could people have done? What could she have done earlier? What could pe her friends have been looking for? You know, and then, but the way they portray it, they didn't even show a lot of the warning signs from her that normally would present themselves. Let me ask you a question, and this is just more about execution of the show itself. How would you have felt if, instead of her completing the suicide, it had been a failed attempt? Do you think that would have made a big difference in how you perceive the show? I think that they could have done something very different with that then, you know, like maybe. Maybe she tries it, to do it halfway through the show and the second half of the show is her coming back from it. Well, not, I don't think they even necessarily had to show her coming back from it. Like, cause that, that's a very long process so you know I wouldn't want them to try to rush that to make it seem like it can happen overnight anyway but maybe had it been an attempt like a failed attempt that then she could have gotten help and they could have really highlighted that I mean honestly I felt like you're going to talk about this then share the hotline number so that the you know and she calls it Speaking and she of, realizes what is it? just so because we've been gone for a while here what's the hotline number 1-800-273-8255. Okay. And most mental health professionals have that number memorized more than their own. Um, and that's the national suicide um, hotline number. So anybody who's experiencing any symptoms of depression or you might think that somebody you know is, you can call that number. They automatically direct you to a local provider um, on the phone so that you can get to somebody close by. But that's the national hotline. Um you know, the, the biggest thing is, and I did kind of gear statistics to being about Illinois, but it it's the suicide is the first leading cause of death for kids ages 10 to 14. It's the third leading cause in the nation. 
And I feel like this show made such like, I mean, we keep using that term. It romanticized it. It took kind of, it took a different turn on it where it didn't show what can you do to help. It just showed it's dark. There's no hope. You can't get help. And then afterwards, people are going to learn things, but also life is just going to continue to suck and be bad rather than where is the hope? Where's the lesson in all of this? Um, you know, and I do, I know, I know we've been going on for a little bit, but you know, there is a part where they talk about self harm and the one friend says, um, it's what you do instead of killing yourself. That in itself is not even an accurate description of like self harm, all of these things. And just to clarify, like somebody who engages in self harm, it's usually, it's a negative coping skill, but it is a coping skill. They feel like in feeling that pain is kind of a release for them and whether that's cutting or biting. And I mean, there's so many different ways to engage in self-harm, but, um, you know, I hated that they even defined it that way because now you're just somebody who then teenagers, unfortunately get into kind of a fad where one girl is engaging in self-harm. So now five of them are because they do it together as a group and they yeah, I went to high school to, in the late nineties. You don't got to tell me that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it kind of made me feel like, okay, so now a girl who's watching that, who engages self-harm is now going, oh, so this is kind of close to killing myself. Now should I should I be in that mindset? It just, it didn't describe things. It didn't educate people. It just continued to bring up these horrific topics to me without being responsible about the way that they were doing it. You know, it's... It because I am the pop culture maven that I am, it feels like to me that as far as, stick with me, if you were to argue about science fiction and you were to say the two biggest, fan, the, the two biggest franchises in science fiction are Star Wars and Star Trek, and of the two, which one has scientists on set? You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and, and it feels like from what you're saying to me, and the way you've perceived it. Now, they've claimed that they had licensed professionals helping them write this thing. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, the way you're describing it to me, these are either the worst social workers, counselors, <laughs> psychiatrists, psychologists in the history of the United States. Or they were telling them stuff and the writers were ignoring it for narrative devices. It, 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 is there is there another show or movie that deals with something similar to this that you feel gets it right? Um, like when I was, I, I mean, I I don't know off the top of my head. I yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not like a movie's not popping up in my head right away. Okay, I mean, I can talk. I, we can talk about you know a, a classic where something happens, which is Dead Dead Poet Society. Okay. You know, they do um, they do show a kid who is distraught and has a hard time. And, you know, I do think that that shows it in a better way because he does, I mean, he does complete suicide, but he goes to his parents for help and his parents kind of dismiss his worries and his concerns. And I think that that highlights, like, don't dismiss your kids and accept them for who they are and where they're at. But you also then see the way the community in that school responds to his suicide 
is in a way that it was like, this was a loss. This was a horrible loss that this happened to this student. And what can we do to be more accepting of one another and to be kinder to one another so it doesn't continue? And that was a much more, to me, while that wasn't that, you know, the main purpose right, of that right. film, I think that that was a much more responsible way to portray something that's so crucial in our society. It is a really important topic. And, I mean, this is just, it's geared toward teens. You, you, know, you know what I think? I, I, I finally, as you were talking there, I think I finally put together why I hated this so much. One of my favorite things to happen in a movie, uh, especially an action movie, is three guys, or, or let's say you've got the stereotypical, you know, the, the comic relief, your lead, your romantic lead, your, your romantic right. female lead. And they're on there. It's the last mission. We're, we're about to get out. And, you know, that scene in Aliens, Chris, where Vasquez and the guy are in the air vents, and they've mm -hmm. got the grenade. And she gives the, you always were an asshole. And she, he goes, yeah, you're, and you're a bitch. And they hit the grenade, and they kill themselves to take out all the aliens, right? Mm -hmm. Or in one of the Resident Evil movies, there's a guy who's in a flipped-over gas truck, and he's being swarmed by zombies, and he tells his friends to book out the other side, and he you know, sits there, and in the last second, lights a cigarette, looks at the camera, puts a cigarette out in the gas, and the car, you know, the truck blows up, and he saves everybody, but he kills himself. It's a great moment in a fictitious, in a fictitious movie because it's mm -hmm. here's the hero making a last stand. I've done everything that I can. I've squeezed every moment I can out of this, and all I've got left to do is to give my friends a couple more minutes, and someone's got to do it, and God damn it, you two are in love, John Cusack and whoever, so I'm going to... I love that John Cusack is your choice, but continue. You know, <laughs> John Cusack and Meg Ryan, I've got this. You're good to go, and, you know, I... Arnold Schwarzenegger will now kill myself and, 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 and save the day. It's heroic. It's this moment thing. But what, what the difference is, is I feel like 13 Reason Why is trying to do the same thing with this girl where it's like, it's her light the cigarette moment, right? Like, I'm going to shine yeah. a light on all of these. But the difference is, is, is so fundamental in, one, the kind of story that you're telling. That works in a Fast and the Furious or a Star Wars or... Insert action well, in a, franchise. In a over-the-top, bigger-than-the-world concept kind of film. Right. Yeah. But when yeah. you're dealing with the nitty-gritty real world of actual depression, and you paint her suicide in the same light as that, not only is it irresponsible, not only is it bad writing, but it's just downright fucking dangerous. Well, and, I mean, she says at one point, I wrote it down, what if... The only way to not feel bad is to stop feeling anything at all forever. She Drink. says that. And, Sorry. and how many teenagers are listening to that going, exactly. That's exactly it. I need to do what she did. Look how quickly she died in that tub. Look how quickly, you know, she got these tapes out and she got it all figured out. It And, you know, my biggest, this is going to sound ridiculous maybe, but my biggest issue with it was, why at the end, like, we've all seen, like, um, Criminal Minds, right, and CSI and Law and & Order, all of these shows, like, when they have a critical topic come up, like, that somebody was sexually assaulted or somebody did commit suicide in a, in, or complete suicide in a show, at the end, you usually have the character who had that experience, like, the actor who plays that character is on the screen and says, for anyone who needs help, 
please use the following phone number or hotline, whatever, to get yourself some support. And they kind of do a little bit of education to make sure that you understand that there's resources should you find yourself in a similar experience. I, every part of me was sitting there going, please let this girl who plays Hannah pop up on the screen or uh, it's a celebrity, I forget her, uh, Selena Gomez maybe yeah, who produced the, it. she's the executive producer. Yeah, maybe have both of them because she's a pop icon up there and talk about, you know what, these are the risks. This is what you can look yeah, for. Yeah, that, that would have made all the difference in the world to how this it is perceived. Would have. Had you said, just so you know, these are the warning signs. This is who you can talk to. This is what you can do. And these are the steps you can take so that this doesn't continue and maybe end it in a way like Ellen DeGeneres does, which is be kind to everyone. You know, that's yeah. how she ends every show. That could have wrapped it up in a way where it's like, okay, you did it. You did it in a very graphic way. You drew attention to this show. You brought up the topic. Parents hopefully are watching it with the kids if that's going to happen. But it ended with, okay, we want you to understand this is serious and there is hope in the real world for you. And these are those resources. You know, you point that out because they do have that after it's 13 episodes and then there's a 14th episode, which is the special. And you're... Which I guess they're trying to say does what you what you're saying, but to me that's like asking people to to watch. All right, you just watched Terminator Two. Now stick around for the DVD extra. But you know what? I watched it. I watched that episode, and it really doesn't do that. They talk a lot more about the the rape scene more than anything in that extra episode. And they talk about how, you know, that needed to be portrayed and they needed to talk about the effects of that and that that really led to her suicide. And I, I mean, those things do need to be talked about, absolutely. But they didn't focus on, the, they didn't present warning signs. They didn't present the resources and things that you can do. It was just, we needed to show this because it's a topic we need to talk about. It's important for this topic to come up. It's important for parents to talk to their kids about this. Okay, but what are you providing them as resources? Why not end it with not only like the hotline and websites, but also, and for parents, here's where you can get some additional information before having that conversation. Have a website ready that is questions to ask your kids, topics to bring up with them. Why wouldn't you take that ownership of it to try and really create this into a, we're part of a movement and we want to try and encourage kids to, and families to get help. All right, Chris, we're coming up on the end of this thing. Uh, before we go, I just, I want to ask you this, you know, you and I have grown up kind of being able to, since we were about 10, be able to basically watch whatever we wanted to watch. Um, are, would you advocate for this show being pulled down from Netflix? If they don't add what we were just talking about, then yes. Now I do, like we said, if they're not, if it's going to continue to be portrayed, which are imbued, which I'm sure it will, please, if you know of a teenager that's watching it, be the adult that watches it and has an appropriate, helpful, productive conversation after the fact. All right. Before I let you go, you want to give out the hotline number one more time? Yeah. Um, 1-800-273-8255. That is the, what is the name of the hotline, just so people know? Well, it's, it, oh, it's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, and it's um, 800-273-TALK. That's what the 8255 is. Okay. Um, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to bring up on this before uh, we end the show? Is there anything you were waiting on before um, the end? 
Well, I just wanted to end by saying, please don't let that counselor be a representative of what people are there to help. If you're an adult or a child or anything, please go to somebody and tell them that you're having a hard time and ask for help because it's never too late to get that. And, you know, and if you go to somebody and they respond in a way like the counselor on this show does, which is not responsible, go to someone else. Don't let anybody be your last stop um, because there are very highly qualified people who want to help you and make sure that you're okay. All right, uh, folks, just to let you know, we're going to do our show ending a little bit differently. We're not going to do the outro music. We're not going to do the Blues Brothers. It doesn't feel like a topic that's really appropriate for that. So uh, we're going to end with a PSA from the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, uh, and we'll play that out. We will, of course, end with, well, Kristen, what do we always end with? Uh, well, you, you always do, like, the white socks. No, 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 no. This has, come on. If this is the Chicago Podcast Network, Chris, then... I think you should just say it. <laughs> this has been the Chicago Podcast Network. Damn it, Kristen, you're the voice of it. You're supposed to say it. Sorry. This has been the Chicago Podcast Network. We out. Do you ever feel hopeless? Have you ever been called hurtful names? Does it ever feel like nobody cares? Like nobody wants you? Suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 24. Suicide doesn't end the chance of life getting worse. It eliminates the possibility of it ever getting better. Call 1-800-273-8255. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.